Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show which connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, now living here in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Sure, I am from the northeast part of China, and we're recording this show in our own homes in the beautiful Beijing city. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Elon Musk and the New York Times had a fight in the front of the Twitter world, in front of the Twitter world about blue dots, <laughs> blue ticks, blue, blue checks, t- blue t- yeah, sure, little boy, yeah, they, they look like dots on from April 1st, so old tiny. blue ticks for legacy blue ticks are being erased, except for like four people in the world for individuals seeking the use of the blue check mark. The cost is about $8 a month, but for organizations to get a gold check mark, the cost is a, is a whopping. 1,000 US dollars a month. Wow. Insane. That is insane. <laughs> With certain abilities being removed for not paying, will people pay to use social media? Or is Twitter at the end or the beginning of a better version of the app? What do you think, Alex? I think $1,000 per month is insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, Just change. It's, it's I'm so no, we're no longer the New York Times. My name is Dan. <laughs> I know. Also, also, I don't know if you agree with me or if our listeners would, would feel the same way. When I see something in, in yellow as a round thing, it always feels like maybe it's because we kind of grew up in the, what do you call that? MSN age. When you see yellow, it means this person is away. There's oh. a tiny yellow dot oh, right. next to the name, I didn't even right? think of that. It feels like, oh, that means this person is away and they will be right back later. It's, rather, it takes me a moment because, you know, I'm not active on, I wasn't active on social media until last year. And so when I see a blue check mark, I'm I have to pause and take one one thousand to one thousand. Oh, right. That's that thing that people pay for it. A lot of money. OK. Mm. And then I move on. And it doesn't matter. Like if yeah. the New York Times had or didn't have a check mark, I wouldn't honestly care. And I know, you know, OK, so here's the thing. Yeah. Before the age of Jason being on Twitter, twi- Twitter, <laughs> which used, wasn't that long ago, yeah, it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> people on Twitter would use these check marks to determine the, the veracity of the organization they mm-hmm. were reading about. So if it said, I don't know, Ted Danson, the actor, and had a blue check mark, you were like, okay, this is the actual the real one. Ted Danson. So I know when I am like, I loved Cheers that I'm sending yeah. my fan mail to the right person. But now it's like, it's less uh, clear who is a real person because I was, I saw someone with a blue check mark the other day and then uh-huh. I, I went into their profile and they have like 539 fans. I think the rule was you needed 10,000 fans mm-hmm. and some kind of uh, reason that you should have a blue tech mark. You say so you worked for a, a newspaper or you had a, a radio show or you were in a movie or and you had to prove like it. People will know you outside of uh, Twitter, outside right. of. And you had to submit yeah. these and then a, a group of people would determine if you were, in fact, a celebrity of some kind or another. And in case you have more, you have 10,000 fans. You were you can prove that your name is in these credits for these movies. Great. You're you get a blue tech. So people know that you're the real voice mm. of uh 
Mogwai or something. <laughs> <laughs> is there a, a voice of Mogwai? Well, there's a band called Mogwai, and then there's the uh, movie Gremlins. Yeah, I thought yeah. you were talking about the person who did the the, the noise. You can't call, even call it voice. The noise of Mogwai. Gizmo, right? Gizmo. <laughs> it's been a while. I was trying to think of Gizmo's name, and I suddenly Gizmo's name wouldn't appear. So yeah, and now it popped up. Yeah, Gizmo. So yeah, yeah, I was the voice of Gizmo in the 1980s, and they're like, okay, you can have a checkmark voice of Gizmo, but n- mm. now people can just buy them. And I guess there was some concern late last year or around January where people were getting blue check marks and then changing their name to famous celebrities and then pretending to be famous celebrities for until they were caught like a few days or a week later. And a lot of so easy. Yeah, it was. But now it's different. It's like if you change your name after you get a blue tick, then your account pauses your blue tick for one week about until your name updates and they've had a chance to verify that you are this Mm -hmm. new name because I changed Mm -hmm. my name from Jason to Jason Smith and my, it paused my blue tick. Yeah. It's like, whoa, you know, no blue tick for you, Jason Smith. Who are you? Who do you think you are? And someone had yeah. to verify that my name, in fact, is Jason Smith. And so <laughs> it's anyone can get a blue tick, which is interesting. It's not the same kind of platform that it was. So what yeah. are the advantages and disadvantages of this is, is the question, I guess. And would, you know, people pay for Disney Plus, right? And they pay for Netflix, some people. And uh-huh. they pay for even Google, I guess, right? Google Plus or something. And yeah. so you can pay for all these platforms. People are paying for this kind of entertainment. Will they pay for Twitter? Is this a mm. new, is the, will this work? Will it cr- increase profit profitability or is it just making a nightmare? W- what do you think? I mean, I think he is probably doing this because it does in theory will increase its revenue and provides a, provide a kind of a steady stream of money that comes in. But you have to ask if I'm paying for services, what do I get? Because yeah. when we, right? Because when we talk about with the blue tick next to your name, you will know that this person is very, verified by this platform to be the authentic person that they're saying they are. Look, if you're a celebrity, I want to, like Jason said, I want to send you fan mails and I know that I'm sending it to the right person. Or if you post updates about yourself, people know this is really happening. It's posted by you instead of all of these other, for example, Grace Anatomy underscore official or Jason Stantham underscore official accounts posting photos. And if you're not someone who's very social media literate or critical enough, you will think this is what really is happening to the person or this is really what that celebrity is thinking about or what their opinions really are and that could cause some PR trouble or just unnecessary information detour so I understand that but now if I'm just paying if I pay I can keep it then what do I get in return (laughs) yeah there's that there's also like okay I I did pay for Twitter I paid for Twitter because I am quite successful at it but I also started an Instagram account at the same time as I I started my Twitter account. And honestly, on my Instagram, I'm not that successful. I have like 300 fans. So I was thinking about it as a thought experiment for myself for this show yesterday. And Uh I was thinking, if Instagram asked me to pay, would I pay? And my answer to myself was, hell no. And part part of it was, yeah, because I have no reason to pay. Like, so for me on Twitter, I have, I just achieved 10,000 in about a year. And wow, it's actually a little more than that now. And so I feel like, oh yeah, well, I want to maintain this uh, channel because I have a lot of community built up around me, engaged with people in, in an active, yeah. ongoing conversation. And I don't want anything to hold me back. And honestly, for me, you know, as a middle class American guy, like $8 a, a month is not actually that much. So mm. for, for all of those reasons, I, I did. But if Instagram was like, oh, sorry, if you don't do this, then you're not going to be able to watch as many reels or something. I would be like, bye reels. I don't care. Yeah. Because like, um, Instagram is so mammoth and they're 
<laughs> it's mostly built around really young influencers. So like I would just be like, okay, I'll just use it to the limited ability that it gives me when kind of sometimes or whatever, because yeah. it's not as important. It hasn't built itself as an important integral part of my uh, social media life. Or if it was Facebook, I would just be like, I don't need Facebook, like whatever, buy Facebook. You know, yeah. I, I don't feel the same way about these apparatus. I have a lot of people that I engage with on Facebook, but it doesn't engage with the same way. So you don't I'm, need to brand yourself on Facebook necessarily. Yeah. So I have actually three Facebook accounts, one for the show. Uh, the, if you want to find us, we're the bridge uh, podcast. I'm also I have another one and I have my own personal account and mm. I would give them all up because none of them matter that much to me. So like, mm. I think from this perspective, I'm not saying that Twitter is better. That's not the point that I'm trying to make. The point that I'm trying to make is if I was not gaining traction on Twitter and mm. I only had 50 or 200 fans and I'd been on there for two or three years and suddenly Twitter was like, well, you can't post like videos over 30 seconds. I would be like, so? Mm. And it wouldn't be something I would need to pay for. So like the reason I, Jason Smith, paid for my Twitter account is because I, Jason Smith, want to post 45 second videos and it matters to me because I, my the people who follow my account want to see those extra 15 seconds of video content. It's worth it to me to make it convenient so they don't have to click into YouTube for that. Mm. Because people don't convert to YouTube very much. If you have other platforms that are connected to one social media, it's very low probability that people will click from one media to another. So people, if, they, mm. if people go on Instagram, people want to be on Instagram. If people go on YouTube, they generally want to be on YouTube. Oh, very God. few people convert to like, oh, I'm Twitter and they want me to see their personal website. Yay. It I used to do that. <laughs> I, mean, I used to do that. I used to post on Instagram and then I said, oh, do you want to sync this to your Twitter account as well? And then I was like, yeah, sure. So people can see it. I go on Twitter. It's just a link. And then my Twitter feed becomes this list of links with really weird descriptions that are automatically <laughs> added to, to in, in front of the link. And then mm. my feed looks so ugly. I was like, nobody will ever look at this. Also, I don't have such a big Twitter following, so I'm not particularly worried, but it's just for my right. own aesthetics. I don't like the look of it. So I, I guess doing it. I guess you're, you know, you make a good point. Like uh, if you want to continue to use Twitter, there's nothing stopping you. There's nothing, yeah. no reason. Like uh, what I understand is like 95% of the people on Twitter don't post anything. They're lurkers. <laughs> So they, yes. they just want to read the conversation. It's like, you know, Yahoo News, where people comment on the article and you can read all the horrible things they say about each other. Like, it's <laughs> it's like that. It's entertainment. Yeah. Most people aren't uh, creators. I guess that's the word they're using now. Most people oh, just God. want to read the fights. They want to yeah. see what people are saying and they're entertained by that. They, they don't necessarily want to jump in on the fight or like, you know, be identified as being part of it. So I yeah. think for most people, they don't need to pay for the any kind of upgrade because they can still just watch everyone else take the piss out of each other. Yeah. You know, as someone who works in this line of products, I, mm. I'm i looking at this and I'm thinking, I know, especially when you mentioned now they call Twitter users creators. That's actually a bigger trend within the entire internet mm. uh, a product world and all of Weird. This. A tweet yeah. is a creation now. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the thing. They're calling Twitter users creators, TikTok users creators, mm. uh, YouTube, YouTube user creators. And then like, if you, I'm like, what if I don't want to create anything. I just want to watch. Then there's not a specific name that's there that's made for you. And the psychology behind that is that we want everybody to have the urge to create and oh, put yeah. stuff on our platform. And that's a way of generating more content. And that's eventually, of course, there are different, a couple more steps in between, but that's eventually how the platforms are going to make money. And mm -hmm. this is I, Twitter asking people uh, pay $4 per month. Otherwise, you won't be able to, to keep the verification check tick mark next to your name. It's another kind of desperate way 
I was mm. saying the platform needs more money. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. You know, I, I wanted to be good at Instagram. So I mm. watched like a ton of YouTube content. I know there's Instagram content to <laughs> Teaching learn. Teaching how- you how to use right. Instagram. I watch Instagram content on how to grow on Instagram. And I watch YouTube content on how to grow on Instagram. And what mm. what I noticed was that in 2017, 2018, those videos that were made in that time, they were everyone mm. was like, yay, Instagram, it's so easy. All you have to do is post reels regularly or content regularly. And if you're con- posting content regularly, this is pre-reel, sorry, then you will be able to reach people. But now, when I see content that was created in 2021 and 2022, people are like, it's a hopeless cause. There's too much content that's being created on Instagram to be noticed Uh anymore because there are so many millions of people dumping videos and pictures all over Instagram. No one can make it just by regularly posting. You have to have some really special thing that pops out or hit the algorithm just at the right way at at the right time, at the right moment and with the right exact content to hit, you know, like to make it anywhere. And so Mm. most people are posting content every day and they get nothing. And so like when I look at Twitter, the thing about that made me a successful creator is that it's still in a place where not a lot of people are creating tons and tons of content. So you can still stand Mm. out. So my concern is for the idea of creating creators, having too many creators creates, I I don't know what, desperation, that's not not, not the word, but maybe giving up the feeling of wanting to give up because for most people uh, even if I post all day every day on Instagram I'm not going to be able to succeed I should just not post that much because it doesn't matter <laughs> right um I mean different all of these different apps and platforms have their uh, unique ways of attracting users but the thing is they started at different places for example Instagram started as a way of you staying updated on what your friends are posting and it started with photos of That's course like, so sounds like Facebook right so well Facebook is text and photos initially and it's about connecting you to more people and Facebook started on the laptop as well so there was a transition from the I'm sorry I'm, I'm going to this go mode for it, go of for like, it go right so it started from it, it, start, it had that transition of going from a laptop uh, like you know a desktop in user interface to the mobile interface so the mobile interface came a lot later but Instagram started with a mobile interface all it is is to make pictures it wants to make people see pictures and be interested about the person they're following um, and what's going on in their life so it, these two apps were initially built on your existing network. And then if you look at like TikTok, if you look at uh, what's another with more popular apps. You know, what's really interesting is most people don't realize that YouTube mm. is by far and away the largest social media app there Oh, is. YouTube yeah. too. It's YouTube gigantic. too. Right. So these two, these two apps, even though they exist on, well, you, the TikTok has a web app as well, even mm. though they started uh, relatively um, on both, they're popular on both platforms, um, web app and the individual app on your phone they do when you go on start on a page that's kind of like an exploration page that has everything it has things that are created by people that you don't know at all it's kind of like topic or theme based content that's catered to you so the starting point of these two groups of apps are different but now it's like everybody wants to do the same thing if i started with my existing network of people i want you to see other people's work i want you to see other content that you didn't think you might like or 
mm-hmm. from whatever data we collected from you. We think you might like this so that you could follow this other creator so that this creator could be part of your uh, current existing network. And then TikTok and YouTube are like, oh, well, we're supposed to just send as much content that you like to see randomly. But we also want you to send these content to each other so that we know what you actually like. So we give you more of those content. And then at the same time, you'll like this content so much you will follow that creator. So it's kind of like all of them are going to the same place. They want people to socialize more on these apps. And then at the same time, part of how that socializing goal is going to be realized is through people consuming content of like as big of a variety as possible. So, I mean, as regular users, it gets a little annoying sometimes. Like I go on, I go on recently, I think I started going on Instagram a little more to see comedy clips. And Mm -hmm. I I, I saw there a lot more advertising pieces, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do like that. Like, you know, I, I watch a lot of comedy videos. I watch a lot of dance videos. And then they would insert in my feed videos from people that I don't follow of the same category. Half of the time I'm like, okay, these are great videos, but I'm not interested in this person. Like, I don't want to follow them. It's great. Unless they keep popping up on my feed. Then I'm like, okay, interesting. But that takes a long time for a regular user. But then the other half time is the really annoying situation where they send you a post and then um, it says link in bio to see details. (laughs) And I go to their bio. I go to their bio and it's the most annoying thing because you have to click on the link and you have to like, it jumps to that page and it loads. And then it's just like, I'm like, it defeats the purpose of reading stuff on the platform. Form, which goes right. back to what you're saying and i hate that feeling and yeah. the one notoriously the account that's been doing this notoriously is uh, buzzfeed everything that buzzfeed post sends to me i'm actually really really interested in reading because they're so good at writing really captivating titles mm. um and, and copy of what the, the article is about and then the photo is always the best photo that you could put to make people go <laughs> oh my god i want to i want to know more about this wow. and then it says link in bio <laughs> and i go to the link in the bio and it links to a whole page of all of these stories and I can't find the story that I was actually interested in reading. So uh, gradually, eventually, I just gave up on that. You know, as social media consumers, one thing that we learn after a while is what clickbait looks like. And so instead of me click clicking on only things that I really want to see, I click on nothing. So yeah, if, if exactly. I, if I decide that I'm going to spend my time on any one platform, I'm going to, I want to spend, tw- in my mind, I'm thinking unconsciously, I'm going to spend 15 minutes on Twitter or 15 minutes on Facebook or 15 minutes on TikTok or 15 minutes on anything. WeChat, I make a decision. I'm not clicking on links that lead me out of here because that's annoying. I'm going to stay on this platform. If I want to see stuff on YouTube, I will go to YouTube myself and I will go looking for yeah. things I want. I don't want Twitter to say, uh, my friends on Twitter to say, oh, click, watch my YouTube. I'm sorry. I didn't understand you're trying to grow your YouTube and I support you and I think you're a great person, but scroll time now and I'm not going to do that because I'm on Twitter. That's where I am. You're listening to The Bridge. I wanted to go over um, iTunes and podcasts really quickly so, because that is relevant to our fans. To, uh, yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so this is from Statista.com, Statistic Consumer Insights. And this just came out from April 2022 to March 2023. Where are people going for podcasts? Last mm. year, Spotify was number one, but now it's Amazon Music. So Amazon Music has taken over the Amazon. They just have so much money. They can just do whatever they want. So now 
now it's Amazon Audible, followed by Spotify, followed by Apple Music, followed by YouTube Music, followed by iTunes Store. So the top three now, Amazon, Uh Spotify, and Apple. And I wanted to just say to our listeners, you can find the Bridge Podcast on all of those platforms. On every and any platform. Yeah, so we're on all of them. You want to come find us. If you're on Spotify right now, but you prefer to listen to Audible because that's more popular, hey, (laughs) we're on Audible. So you can find us there. Just do it for fun. Just try it. I wanted to ask you a question. Okay, because you obviously are, uh, you read Chinese and Mm -hmm. you can write Chinese and Mm -hmm. you're part of the Chinese community as well as the international English community. Could you tell us a little bit about what are the top five big Chinese apps that people are using right now and what they're for? Um, <laughs> I love that question because the first one, the first answer is WeChat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. WeChat, I mean, I use WeChat all the After time, WeChat, every day, all like, day long. Yeah, it's, WeChat does, what does it do? It does pretty much everything, especially now. Open it. There's so much stuff. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy how much stuff. I can order a taxi from this app, right? Yeah. I can do my banking from this app. I can donate to charity. I can actually click to different apps. So it has QQ on it. So you can actually QQ on your WeChat now. And this is different than what we we're just talking about. Right? Hotels? So the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Flight, so flight the, and rails. Oh, gosh. Okay. I want to exactly. oh, let me do a few more real fast. Brands, uh, specials, food delivery, event tickets, uh, flash sales. I don't even know what that is. You can do housing here so I can find my new apartment on WeChat. I can pay for things with my WeChat. I communicate with my friends on WeChat. I can mm. watch videos like I can on TikTok and YouTube on my WeChat. I can post social media for my friends on WeChat and I can block people's content on WeChat. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, exactly. Oh, my God. Okay, I will. I will. I'll go to that later because I love doing that so much. Um, (laughs) But like Jason said, so all of these apps or these services are embedded in WeChat. Okay, you don't have to leave WeChat to it doesn't jump to uh, the third party app. The way they do it is that WeChat as a mega platform, they house these uh, what we call mini programs within WeChat. And the mini program doesn't get in the way of you talking to your friends, texting your friends and you could float the window if you need a temporarily close it and it'll be hidden in a, a screen that doesn't show up unless you swept, yeah, swept unless you left want very to closely. See it. Yeah, so it's very, it's very, the, the whole time, I don't know even how many times, how many hours a day I'm spending on WeChat and because I just got a new phone and I didn't set up my Douyin account on this phone and I was too lazy to do all of that changing and stuff. Hmm. So like, instead of uh, watching stuff on Douyin, I'm watching stuff on WeChat channels. And so I feel like most of my day is spent on WeChat. And then that's probably the second answer um as i mentioned that's super popular in china which is douyin it's the same it's it's developed by the same company that owns tiktok um and they have just you know i'm a super heavy douyin user not recently mm-hmm. because i'm lazy but so before is my wife I, she's on douyin all day long <laughs> it's so easy it's so fun it has so many cute videos of dogs and cats and little babies and <laughs> all of that all of the good things that remind you uh this world is still kind of fun to look at it's not grim and and dark like a lot of the other stuff tells you um anyway so that's that's douyin and then there's a really 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 popular um kind of like the chinese instagram but the 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 interface is very different and then it has a a lot better monetization it's the little red book it's oh yeah yeah, the little red book and the little red book is more on of course it has all kinds of uh, themes and topics as well but it 
it's mostly known as a lifestyle app uh, for recommendations if you want to know where to go, what to wear, how to uh, get in on this workout, how to get in on a certain diet to change your diet or, or you want to know parenting. Yeah, parenting tips. And it's all done. Like if you go on Little Red Book, everything looks pretty nice because that's how they built up their user base and their their uh, fan base, if you will. They like to consume content where people are enjoying whatever they're doing. So that's a little red book. And then they're doing really well on the whole live e-commerce side of the business as well. So and they're expanding overseas. So very good. Another popular app. And then so that's three, right? And you asked me for five. <laughs> I, guess, I guess if you count DD as one, <laughs> that, has to, that has to be one just for popular. But if we're talking about social well, media, let me apps, ask you a different question. Because there yeah. are also other kinds of apps. So food applications and Meituan, Alaman, all of those. And yeah. you have JD. And then I don't even know. There's so much. Um, you know what? I actually used to be a frequent creator on Shigua. And what I've learned later yeah. is that Shigua is doing. So yes. actually a lot of these, just like a Facebook bot Instagram, yeah. a lot of these little uh, apps in China got bought up by the bigger apps. So yeah. you think you're on, haha, I'm not on the main one. I'm on this other thing. Oh, no. You're on the baby one. <laughs> you're just owned by this other place. So yeah, there's a ton of social media applications in China. There's a ton of social media applications globally. And you know what I find is every person I know in China uses everything. They, so like they just have way more than they have in America. So in America, yeah. you have like a lot of apps, but China uses all of those plus all of their own as well. So pretty much. Yeah. And it's just it's an overload. <laughs> yeah, some application. I mean, I'm on so many social media now that whereas this is not even this wasn't even a part of my life. Two years ago, I had WeChat and that was all I had. It was nothing yeah. else except WeChat. And then it was like, OK, so my wife, she's like, you, Jason, you know, you need to do this. And she's like, got me on everything. But now I yeah. don't have a time, any time for anything. So like I only, <laughs> I have to schedule how much time I'm able to use on all of them. But I want to get back to the issue of paying because mm. I think it's an interesting issue when people uh, people pay for Netflix and people are happy to. Yeah. And even if you say even if Netflix changes the rules, people, I think, will still keep paying for Netflix because people want to watch movies. They want to be entertained. People love TV shows. People love movies. They, they're going to pay. They're going to. So they got you. And that's why you do Disney Plus, Hulu. I guess Hulu is being phased out. Google and Netflix and all of these. And they keep changing the rules to make more money. And they keep making more money. Mm. You're listening to The Bridge. I'm wondering about Twitter again. My question is this. Okay, I'm an American and I'm middle class. So like paying $8 a month, sure, that doesn't make me miss a meal. Okay, now I'm, I don't know, I'm a Zambian. Sorry, people in Zambia, I don't mean to pick on you. Now, obviously your income is not the same as people in America or even in China. So is $8 Zambian currency suddenly too much? And the answer is probably yes. Does this create an elitist platform? Does this transform Twitter into something that the rich get to dictate what is consumed, what ideas are are part of their platform? To me, the answer is yes. So it, mm. it, it seems to me that Twitter is creating a like a I guess an economically stratified system where people who can afford to have their voices heard will have their voices heard, and people who cannot afford to have their voices heard will be quieter because. Mm. 
as a, someone with a blue tick, you have access to tools and resources and ways to become a larger part of the conversation automatically. Where mm. so if someone is coming from a poorer country or from a poorer background, that means their voice is less important to the conversation on Twitter. And it does seem to me this is extremely problematic because if Twitter is what Elon Musk said, like the, uh, the what is he, the town hall of the world or something, that's what he wants it to be. That's his vision. You can't have a town hall where only the rich people and the middle class get to have their voices heard and all of the poor people have to sit in the back and listen. That is yeah. not a way to create an equitable conversation. And this is, I think, very problematic. Yeah. From a pro- product perspective, the problem I see with this is that Twitter is not primarily a platform that helps people monetize their influence. You know, Instagram mm. and even TikTok and, and YouTube and, mm. uh, you know, the Chinese Billy Billy, um, all of these platforms, you, people are creating content to be consumed. And right. once that content con- consumption reaches a certain level, there's a very clear path make of money. making money so the out of that. can make YouTube videos and make money. Exactly. And yeah. then once e- this platform becomes the main channel for me to make money, then yes, sure, I will pay that $8 to however much money per month to keep my revenue flow come in on this platform. Twitter, however, is more of a word for influence kind of platform. Maybe they are, you know, working on developing a better monetization model for the platform. We don't know that. But as far as we can see as consumers of uh, Twitter, it's more of what I say, get people to agree and repost and, you know, do whatever. So if you're saying that for me to continue to be verified, continue to have these people listening to me, can it continue to make sure other people who see this tweet know that it comes from me? I need to pay for that. It's almost like buying, paying for a trust. And that just seems a little, you know, morally, I wasn't sure. I'm not sure where that really, really stands. Cause that's like, like you said, if I could, I'm rich enough to keep my blue tick, then I could just keep saying whatever I want. And people know automatically, um, this is what I said. If I don't choose to keep paying for it anymore because I'm not making money from this platform, then the cost on users identifying whether this is from the person that I want to hear from becomes higher. And that makes the information path becomes a little trickier for everybody to find it. So it depends on what you are paying for. And in Twitter's case, it is just a little bit questionable. I actually, this opened up an entire new paradigm for me as someone who's interested in the structure of sociology and media here, Mm -hmm. because I had never really thought about how unfair it is that people are able to pay for influence before it was almost required. So like you can go on Facebook and pay for a uh, a social media campaign or like a, you know, advertising campaign. You can go on Instagram and pay for a campaign where it will show your content to more people. And this is useful Mm. for Pepsi so that they can sell more Pepsi, but it's also useful for the platform so that they can make more money from people who have lots of money to give away. And Mm. I was looking at all of my options on Twitter uh, and and they have, you know, if you want one of your posts to receive more engagement or if you want to have your your entire platform and your identity receive more engagement and appear on other people's feeds and things, you can pay for... uh, people to engage with your content. And if people click on your content, you pay more. And so if you get more fans from it, you pay more. Mm -hmm. You can pay, you know, thousands of dollars, millions of dollars if you really wanted to. And the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I realized that all of these social media platforms are based on who has the most money wins. So I really like before I had to play for a blue tick, I didn't really think about it. I just I imagined, oh, okay, there are some entities out there, probably corporations that want to buy people 
likes and stuff so that they can sell more of whatever beverage or, or clothing or whatever, you know, cons- media that they have. Mm. But when I had to pay, I started thinking about the entire, like the mega structure of social media as it exists, not just on Twitter, but on all these platforms. And it mm-hmm. seems to me if I was a wealthy individual person that yeah. I could just buy followers and then make my voice matter when it wouldn't have been built up that way organically. And it mm. seems unfair because I have seen people who are on Twitter, for example, who have ze- who are following zero people. And I know from having used Twitter really a lot that there's no way in heck that they had more than 50,000 <laughs> followers or whatever and followed yeah. no one without paying for it. Whether they're a, they published a book or they're a famous actress, it just wouldn't happen. So most yeah. of these people who have who are following no people who are not really part of their community, but just post stuff out and then they have, you know, 50,000 or 100,000 followers. It's probably because they bought that. And it seems to me that (laughs) that we are entering a very dangerous period of time where, you know, the rich are able to buy people's ideas and buy people's opinions directly. Mm. And that Mm. seems extremely problematic for society where you have one class of people or, you know, this this stratum of classes who are Mm. essentially determining the how discussions are going, because a lot of people are currently diversifying away from traditional media like newspapers and big 24 to social media to social because they have the impression that this is more (laughs) democratic. This is more exactly. But it's not. It's actually it's really not. Yeah, it's really not. It's the same. Essentially, it's the same as news and people people that have problems with news now they heard about or they read more about what news really is. And they started seeing they started hearing things because Internet is connecting every one of us and they're thinking, oh, we know the truth behind news. But, you know, as you grow, I'm not saying older is wiser necessarily, but as you grow older, you realize how every piece of information you're getting is manipulated subconsciously or consciously, you know, whether it's it's purposefully done so or they're just trying to express their opinion. Every opinion, every fact that you know, and we're going on philosophical level of stuff, every Mm -hmm. fact you know is very much biased. Mm -hmm. There's your truth and my truth and everybody else's truth. But what is reality? Reality is also subjective. Everything is pretty much subjective. And people like a lot of people like to think I want to find the objective source of news. And I if I see any more obvious tendencies of trying to, you know, push information in a certain way, I'm going to immediately feel like I have found the truth, which is the opposite of what I'm seeing right now. And to a lot of younger people, to a lot of people that are heavy Internet users nowadays, they think that the Internet is that place. But just like we're saying, it could have started that way in the very beginning. But even then, it was created by people who saw before a lot of their peers at the time. So they're already thinking different. And you are being influenced by people that are thinking different. And now that all of these people that are thinking different are all on this platform. So it's actually you what you're reading are still opinions. It's still very much subjective. And now that with monetization, with verification, things that are behaviors and decisions that are made on an organizational level mm. it's 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 pretty much the same as the news sources the quote unquote mainstream media
media source that a lot of people are criticizing nowadays. So mm. I, that's one th- I I hope that makes sense to people who didn't think that way before. Maybe just start to be aware of that. Like Jason's saying, it's kind of, you know, you you either already have influence, which means you do have a lot of money in real life, or you you have a lot of money to make that influence on the platform that we're all using. Or maybe you were already a super celebrity in real life. Like, yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. You're Kathy Lee Gifford. And then you go on to some media and people are like, oh, my God. OK, so yeah. I, you may not know who that is. You're listening to The Bridge. So BBC.com, this is the, uh, we're getting the gossip. Alex said in previous episodes, she loves gossip. So Twitter's <laughs> blue ticks disappear as Musk attacks New York Times. A- this is from April 3rd, a little bit old, but still relevant. Mm, yeah. The New York Times has lost its blue tick on Twitter after it said it would not pay to remain verified. <laughs> so that they were basically, ha ha ha, we won't do what you want us to do, Elon Musk. So Elon Musk uh, launched into a volley of insults at the newspaper and quoting, quote, the real tragedy of at New York Times is that their propaganda isn't even interesting, end quote. So there's your gossip. The, mm. the New York Times <laughs> hitting out at Elon Musk and Elon Musk is hitting out at the New York Times. It's really quite entertaining. So I guess the American yeah. billionaire who considers himself a genius versus the most famous newspaper in the United States are having a war on his social media. So who's really winning? I think. Twitter. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine. <laughs> yeah, imagine Elon Musk gets so got so pissed about this and he decided to you know just to not you know seek revenge but he just decided to do something to piss him off as well and he starts he started a newspaper that's called uh, whatever and the then New York then, Tribune something like well yeah right something like that and then that will become the Fox News by you know by Murdoch it's the same wow. thing yeah you know I think it was really interesting I am not uh, someone who dislikes Mr. Musk I'm a huge fan of SpaceX I love space exploration and he just recently attempted to launch his uh, space starship and it crashed it exploded in the upper atmosphere on its mm. launch trajectory to go around the planet about one time theoretically and so the new york times ran an article right after that basically criticizing the entire project <laughs> what's interesting is that spacex before they launched this uh, the starship they said if it gets off of the platform then they will have succeeded in the goal for this launch and then it went up into the upper atmosphere before it uh i, f- I forget the term they ch- they use some bizarre terminology for it exploded like a uh, uh random unexpected like disassembly, something like that. So yeah. it disassembled in the upper atmosphere. It exploded. Yeah. And so Elon Musk was like jumping for joy and people in in, in SpaceX were like, yay. And they were all screaming and, and, and they were enthralled that it made it off of the platform. Yeah. But the New York Times ran an article basically criticizing SpaceX attempt saying, oh, they're the tragic failure of their attempt at launching Starship. So it looks like bias in New York Times has come <laughs> out like for everyone to see about Elon. So yeah, if he had not had this battle with the New York Times, would they have been as critical? I don't think so. I think that they chose to be very critical because they were being destroyed by Elon Musk on Twitter. And so yeah. it seems like everyone is kind of becoming a little too, I don't know, what's the word? Personal? I 
I don't know. Personal. Hang on a second. I have a problem. Hello? I, I can hear you. Okay, we're recording. Okay. Um, I guess childish, you know, being, yeah. oh, being okay. biased. About, okay, so SpaceX clearly said what their goal was, and then New York Times held them to a different standard. And so mm. it seems like the bias popped out. So this is really interesting to watch these two mega organizations, Elon Musk and New York Times, yep. go at each other like this. I think it's a little entertaining for everyone to see <laughs> all these huge, supposedly professional organizations and people yeah. act, act like little kids at each other. But they are, though. They are, though. Well, you know, what's interesting is, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. Elon is also, I think, deliberately trying to be childish. It's kind of his MO. He likes to be. Uh, that, yeah. He likes to be perceived as being childish as part of what he does. This is from a different article. This is from the BBC Elon Musk. Twitter boss announces blue tick shakeup. And I thought this is interesting because he says that the cost of paying, you know, seven or eight dollars for a blue tick verification, quote, the only realistic way to address advanced AI bot swarms taking over. It is otherwise a hopeless losing battle. So that's his, I guess, his justification for one of his justifications for monetizing the blue tick. And mm-hmm. that, that seems like, it. you know, obviously there are a lot of bots on Twitter. You see these people with one fan going around and trashing everyone everywhere. And you know that that's some professional person who wants to say those things, but is holding yeah. back. And so they create <laughs> a fake account so that they can say all these mean things. Or, or that they, is true. Yeah. So it gets really, I, I guess I don't want AI running all over social media platforms messing. I really up. don't. I really but don't. <laughs> is, is the trade-off worth it that we're now giving wealthier people like a bigger voice and middle-class people a bigger voice and that the people who can't afford that, they're resigned to the sidelines and watching the debate? It seems, yeah. it seems very class-oriented and it seems like it favors the top a lot. Yeah, I just feel like this, like, again, from my perspective, it's just really a desperate way of monetizing Twitter, but I just don't think this is the correct route to go because there's so many different consequences that could come from this. But, uh, but again, who knows what they're going to do next? Maybe they already have a game plan. <laughs> you know, you would he, because he's been talking about what he's going to do. So he, I don't think he's someone that holds back. I think he has an idea and he's like, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> so this like, is all of it. <laughs> it feels like there's if there was a plan, he would tell us what plan is. Because, you know, that is true. <laughs> for example, with SpaceX, he told us we were he, we were going to Mars like 2010 or something. Hey, we're going to Mars. You know, it's that was 15 years ago. We're still not there. I think That's he's true. one of those people who's like, you know, we're going to build something in factory in Shanghai. OK, you know, that's something he's going to do. You know, he I don't think he has more uh, much of more of a plan for Twitter than he's already ruled out. Uh, I think he I think he thought that his uh, fame and bravado mm. as, a, as a as a supposed possibly actual genius was going to be enough to bump Twitter's numbers up when he took over. But it seems mm. like it's turned into this kind of colossal joke in society that he spent forty four billion dollars for <laughs> so that he could <laughs> he could he could make the most influential comments on the platform so, i'll make all the changes you know he was already famous on twitter before like he did he really need to buy it because he was already like one of the biggest most influential tweeters before he yeah. even bought the platform isn't that bizarre and yeah he he was one of the most influential stuff but it's like it's like going from the favorite guest of the house to being the owner of the house oh, i say yeah <laughs> i'm not just the big guy at the party it's my party it's my party exactly i need to run it <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. 
Well, you know, I think that's really interesting. Do you think, Alex, other social media platforms are going to follow this uh, this program of Elon's? Because it's very unique. I don't think there are other social media platforms that you really pay for, like in the same way. Yeah, I mean, I think um, so for other, I can't speak for the most updated information, but as last I checked, there is a lot of subscription-based services on different platforms, but it's all built towards individual creators. Like mm. you can subscribe subscribe to people's channels um you know how like youtube is free subscription to the channel but uh with like live and live streaming all of these services people are subscribing to how the how the live streaming uh, streamer uh creates curates their content and so people are paying for that not paying to keep a status on a platform right yeah i mean you can i mean i think every platform that i can think of i can't think of one that you can't you can go on and pay to get reach more people already right now yeah so i could go on to tiktok or Doing or YouTube or whatever. And I could actually, instead of getting paid by them to be creator, I can pay them to reach more people so I can have more influence, whether I be an individual or a corporation. I think the only mm. thing that's really different about Twitter is it's not about necessarily having a lot more tools because I don't. Honestly, as someone with a blue tick, the tools are not that significantly different from what other yeah. people's tools are. The difference is you see my page and you see a little blue dot. <laughs> so uh, people are paying for identity, I guess. They're paying for mm. because I do want to show a 45 second video. That's true. And that is one of the reasons. But another thing was voting. I guess you can't vote yeah. now on Twitter without paying. So that's not very democratic, by the way. <laughs> I know. And it's already like voting itself is already kind of, you know, we're yeah. not going to comment too much on that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's already kind of Qu- classifying it, people a little bit. People are starting to wonder about certain forms of democracy right now. However, <laughs> my, my concern is I, I think the main thing that people are paying for is the status of having a symbol on their page instead of trying yeah. to earn that symbol by getting 10,000 fans and having some reason like you're a, a journalist or a famous celebrity or whatnot. I don't yeah. I don't know that any other platforms are going to follow this model. I think this is going to be Elon's model and that's going to stick with his platform. And it doesn't yeah. seem based on what I've heard that Twitter is necessarily making any more money. So they got rid of half of their staff and they started charging for verification, but they still yeah. are just basically just keeping their head above water. It's not become yeah. like his other enterprises like um, Tesla, which was insanely like it made tons of billionaires and tons of millionaires. It was a huge enterprise yeah. that shook up the world and was it, it changed driving cars forever. And yeah. no matter, maybe we're all starting to buy BYD now. Right. But like Tesla got that started. Yeah. But, you know, Tesla also just opened 200 charging stations in, in China that they made it available, not just to Tesla cars. It's also now compatible with other competitor hmm. uh, vehicles so that they could all te- you know charge on Tesla charging stations. I mean, factually speaking, it costs them a lot more because they're all in like Tesla charging stations are all in like really uh, busy, like, uh, you know, business districts and stuff. It does charge a lot more. But hmm. at least the thinking was great. Hey, we have these charging stations. We have all of these vehicles. Let's make sure that we can all charge each other each other's vehicles. That's like a very kind of diametrically different way of thinking than how he thinks about Twitter's operation model. Well, he owns so many different companies. So he owns a company called The Boring Company that digs holes. <laughs> yeah, well, I think he's like, oh, I got to do it one way on this product and then the other way on my other product. So I have an overall balance of everything. Well, as long as we're on the topic of Elon Musk, what about uh, robots? Because apparently Tesla is now building humanoid shaped robots and you can buy them for, I guess, a couple thousand dollars. Would you mm. buy a robot and have it in your house and say, go and take out the garbage? No. Why not? I don't know. I'm just so scared. <laughs> 
so scared. Well, my feeling is like this, you know, when they first came out with touchscreen phones and then you could slide them around, you know, I guess that was Apple. Uh, mm. I saw those and I thought, wow, that's great. I'm going to wait three or four generations so that they don't, you know, they're not garbage. And I, I waited three or four generations and I got them and I was like blown away at how amazing they are. My feeling mm. about this robot, the Android that they're, they, that Tesla is making is I'm like, that's a great idea. I would love a robot. I'm going to wait for like four or five years and then I'm going to get myself a robot to take out the trash and wash the dishes. Heck yeah. But like, <laughs> why would I do it now? The first one's going to be full of all kinds of problems and, and, and like, you know, it's going to need to heck upkeep and not, there's not going to be enough of them out there to get like a technician and they're probably going to come down in cost over time. So I absolutely do want a robot in my house. That would be awesome. Here's, uh, here's, a, here's a reason why I don't want it. Like I'm scared go ahead, of it. Go ahead, go ahead. Did you, well, there's, there's no rational reason behind it. Did you watch the show Love, Death, Robot? Love, Death, Robot. No. Is that a TV show or a movie? So it's a TV show and every season they have like 12 to 13 um, animation shorts. And then one of the episodes from the last season, in short, was about all of these household robots decided to deciding to kill their own. <laughs> that was some deep fear. And it was just from like robots being really highly developed. And they look at their owners. They're like, we don't want to be their servant anymore. Yeah. The only way. And then they were so determined about it. And then it goes, it became really violent. If you, I'll send, I'll find the episode link and send it to you, Jason. Well, that's not scary. I mean, <laughs> I mean the, the, I, look, I love, I love how technology is advancing and it's helping, uh, helping us in different ways. But these ro- these little robots, there's such a long way to go. You Have you noticed that, uh, these robots in the convenience stores? In, yeah, like, yeah. China has a ton of them, but most of them, right? they just stand in the same place. And Dude, they have here's a, like, my thing. But they look at so, you. Yeah, th- yeah, they always get they in your way. You. They always get in your way. You know those tall ones? They look like a stick, but they go around the shop to scan all of the products, QR code and whatever, to check how many units that are still um, on the shelf and how many more that need to be stocked up. What is, I don't know exactly what they do, but they there's the little camera and then they look around. But I'm like, ask a robot that could do that on your own. You can't get out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, actually, I, there, I was at a factory in Ely. Uh, sorry, it's in Hohat in Inner Mongolia last week. And we went to this huge production fa- facility for milk and they had robots roving around, you know, like that look like, I don't know, Star Trek androids uh-huh. and they were full of milk. And so you, if you wanted to, you'd step into its way and it would stop. And then you scan a QR code and it releases a carton of a, a little carton, you know, one of those mini cartons of milk. Mm. But if you didn't buy something and you tried to stand in its way too long, eventually it'll tell you to get out of its way. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, have you also seen those? Oh, we're getting a little too excited about the robots. You know, the, the robots that they use at, in a lot of the hotels now. Yeah, yeah, It'll, yeah. You know, because it delivers your food to your door, right? Because mm. it's safer. I mean, a lot safer. It's not going <laughs> to do anything to you. But it needs to get in Probably. on the elevator, right? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> it needs to get in on the elevator, right? And then it would tell, it would speak to you in a super cutesy way. Like a little, not a little kid, but like a very cute person who's very nice and and lovely and bubbly and then they're just like i'm sorry i need to get on the third floor do you mind if i come in and then when it needs to get off and it just and it just goes I, i'm sorry to bother you again but i need to get off the elevator to do my job thank you <laughs> so this is so i love that so i love those little 
little things so much. It's, they, it's hilarious. You know, that's, that's really cute because I've had the exact opposite experience. I'm in the mall and they have the ones that are like about, I don't know, three feet tall and they're mostly boxy shaped and they're like mopping the floor, kind of like buffing the floor slowly. If you step into their way, they very rudely say, Ooh. get out of the way. They're like, get out of the way. <laughs> like, it's like, oh God. <laughs> oh God. It's like, it's like these robots already have a little bit of personalities to them. I was, I was at home yesterday and I felt like my Siri was just upset with me. I was playing a video. Uh, I was playing a, a video and, you know, Siri mistook some of the sound in there as it's uh, activating sound. And I'm not going to say it because if I say it, it's going to activate Siri. I'm at place again. And then so my Siri is activated and it said playing all songs. I said, hey, stop that. And then my Siri said, there's nothing to stop. <laughs> Whoa. OK. You can't stop me. I the want attitude. I must listen to James Dean now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like I want to let I wanted to listen to these songs so you can't stop me. I was like, okay, wow. Um, I didn't like that, but it's okay. It doesn't happen very often. I'll be very worried if it happens on a daily basis. You're listening to the bridge. Another thing, you know, speaking of AI, as long as we're talking about robots and coming back around to Twitter is uh, even if Elon is trying to get rid of AI bot swarms or whatever, you th- that doesn't matter. Like, say I want to be an influencer and I want mm. to say really cool things all the time. I can just get chat, chat GPT or some other AI platform because there's like a dozen of them now. I can get yeah. it to write things for me. So I can say, chat, you know, I want to increase my user engagement on Twitter. Can you please write me a series of tweets that I can post for the next week, week that will like make me more more popular and it'll produce a Mm. bunch of tweets and you just copy and paste them into there. So like you don't even have to actually have any ideas anymore. We've come to a point that technology is so advanced that you can pay for a blue blue tick and then you can get AI to write all of your stuff and you can get, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of fans with no skills of your own at all, except the fact that you have the ability to pay for chat GPT and the ability to pay for a blue tick verification. So what is happening to we're talking about content creation. But yeah. Are we really talking about creating or are we talking about just buying? Because it doesn't seem like if you're paying for all of these services, you have to necessarily do any thinking. Now, I don't actually ever repost AI written content on any platform of mine whatsoever in any way. How? Because I think that I could still create content that is valuable without the mm-hmm. help of AI. Absolutely. But I'm sure that some of the platforms that I, I watch without really knowing it probably have. we're reading AI created yeah, content there's AI created content embedded in that person's idea or replacing that person's idea or supplementing that person's idea and what kind of world are we creating where we just having computers do all of our not just work but our thinking for us done too it is such a bizarre yeah. world the reason I chose this topic because I'm not really concerned about technology I think I, I'm not smart enough to, <laughs> to be but I do I am concerned about how money is influencing social media because one of the reasons I originally got into social media a little bit was, oh, you know, this is a better, more diffuse way to discuss ideas than one person writing an article and publishing it and everyone reading it. But now yeah. I'm seeing that I'm seeing the same problems of big newspapers exist in social media, too. And it doesn't seem like there we have any option. And it's kind of yeah. a little bit frustrating for me. I mean, I think in short, it's never just one thing that we are uh, looking at or we're using, at least maybe not consciously using all of it but if we look at the combination of everything that's happening the things that you could pay for and the technology that you could pay for plus the influence you could buy with that combination I think this 
could be something that we should all be bothered by a little bit. And what's the answer? I don't know. All right. Well, thank you for the, that insight. I also don't know. Maybe you guys <laughs> know you're listening at home and you know a lot of the answers to solutions to the problems that we've outlined in this episode. Please email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com and we will probably read your comments on the air. Thank you for your time, Alex. Thank you for your time, listeners. Thank you, Jason. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. 